This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Bat Fans. Yes, we're still here. This is episode 173. My name is Tim, and as always, I'm joined by Dane. Dane, how's it going? It is going good. Um, you know, Anthem came out. Um, That's right. To I don't know not if you so got quite it. glowing reviews. Yeah. <laughs> but with that being said, I did play a little last night. Uh, I got to level six, played a couple of missions. Um, the gameplay is fantastic. It's some of the best gameplay I've played in a long time. Um, wow. The, the gunplay, swordplay, flying around. Um, yeah, just the, 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 the gunplay, the gameplay is really, really good. It's just everything in between that isn't very good. <laughs> is it like getting to that point is the problem? It, it, it's getting to the point where it's getting irritating, you know, it's like, okay, but I kind of just want to fly around and shoot stuff and, uh, you know, uh, melee stuff and, you know, stuff like that. Um, it's just everything in between that, having to go back to your fort to change your loadout, um, do all your story stuff and the story isn't very good. Um, that's what I've heard. Yeah, it's one of those things they throw you in there and they expect you to know every single little detail about the the universe, the story. They use slang. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> that doesn't really – I mean maybe if you're – if you paid closer attention to the promo materials or you dig a little deeper or you're a hardcore fan, maybe you – maybe you know these things. But for me, it's they, – they just kind of throw you in there. Um. Like for being the first game, that shouldn't be the case. Like, yeah, it's like, you... like something is happening and uh-huh. um, it flashes forward two years to, the, I guess, the current day. I guess what you're playing in the beginning was two years before what uh, the, the current time. Um, doesn't really make sense. It's kind of like playing, you know, a Bioware game like Dragon Age or, I don't know, uh, Mass, Mass Effect. Effect. Yeah, and going into it, not knowing the story at all, right? Um, and you're playing the second game, and you're in the middle of it. Okay. It's, <laughs> oh, wow. It's, yeah. it's really, you know, for for a company that tells stories so good, I mean, Mass Effect, Dragon Age, um, some of their Star Wars stuff. Yeah, Knights of the Old um, Republic. The old, Knights of the old, old Republic. It's, 
it's kind of a shame that they sort of forgot about that. But um, I wonder if they were pushed to really hit this release date by EA because I also hear it's pretty buggy. Also, I just wonder if they had to shortchange certain things with yeah. the story, not fully go into it, and then I guess um, with the bugs, not really have them to, ready to go. To Are you fair, finding it to be really glitchy? Yeah. To uh, to be fair. There's a little bit of bugs, a lot of rubber banding, especially when you're flying with somebody else. Uh-huh. Like if you and I were flying, there's a lot of ro- ru- uh, rubber banding, as they call it. Um, uh, but they did release a day one patch, and it seems to have fixed a lot of those bugs. Um, the loading times, um, having to load in and out of every single thing, even even to change your loadout, you have to hit a loading screen for some what? reason. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, it's the loading screens for me that's getting a little bit irritating. Sure. Um, yeah, it's just like every single thing you do, you have to do a loading screen for it. Man, I can get yeah. real tedious. <laughs> yeah, except when you're going through the story in your own. It's called Fort Tarsus, right? Okay. And you're, um, uh, it's the single player part of the game, so nobody else can can uh, be in there with you. Um, that doesn't have any loading screens. Well, I guess that's a but plus. <laughs> everything else does, <laughs> which uh, is. Is really irritating because the gameplay is so good, but it seems like you're bogged down with all of this, these cutscenes and the story and loading screens. That's the problem, man. <laughs> yeah. But as man. for the gameplay, the gameplay is super, super good. Each um, uh, javelin has its own thing. Uh, I picked the interceptor, which is more of a fast-moving sort of javelin that is more of a melee kind of uh, thing. So that's really fun, you know, just dropping into the middle of bad guys and, you know, just doing a bunch of melee stuff and zipping out of there. That's, that's super fun. And the gunplay is great. Of course. Um, wish there was a little more, uh, sort of like individual, like things for guns, you know, like that makes them unique. But it just seems like whatever's good is good. It seems okay. <laughs> so so far in the beginning of the game. I'm not sure about the end game or you know stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's just the loading screens. Um, it, it, is this Spyware's first uh, massively multiplayer game? Well, they do have Knights, or not Knights of the Republic, but old the Old Republic. Oh for PC. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder if yeah because it. It, it it's it's like they made a single player game, didn't do a good job in it, and then they decided to add this multiplayer part that's really good. Um, but yeah, uh, it's I I if I would say don't buy it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait six seven months and then buy it. Um, it definitely released way too early. Um, that's what it seems like. Uh, and, it's maybe like in October, I would say it, it, it would have been better, but uh-huh. as, as of right now, the gameplay is really good. It's just everything in between and the loading screens. Yeah. This was a game that was on my radar when it was showed, I believe it was last E3, right? Last year's E3 when it made yeah. its debut or was it the year before, but 
might have been the year before Mm. but it looked really cool and you know a new bioware ip it's come from the same guy from mass effect casey hudson was involved so i was excited for it but then when i found out when it was coming out it was in the midst of a bunch of other games i was playing like i'm still playing kingdom hearts 3 right now i'm taking my sweet time with it because i love that series and i don't want it it to end (laughs) is it supposed to be the last one I think the last one for this main story they've been telling since the first one, oh. but I'm sure there'll probably be other ones. I have oh, no yeah. idea what the ending is, so I've been able to keep aware of spoilers. So hopefully, I'll keep that way till I finish it. So, I knew with Anthem coming out not too long after Kingdom Hearts, and I knowing I'll be playing that game forever, but I go, I'm not gonna probably get it right away. Right. And it turns out that's probably gonna be a good thing yeah. <laughs> for what you're yeah, saying, like definitely. you said, to wait a little bit. Yeah. Not only because it'll probably be cheaper, but all those bugs and stuff will hopefully be fixed by then. Yeah, definitely clear your slate of games. You know, beat Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, whatever else you're playing. Um, and then if you see it on sale or something, um, I'd say like five, six months from now, mm-hmm. then get it. Yeah, my hope is by the time Microsoft's and Sony's stores on their systems, they usually have like holiday sales around Thanksgiving. Yeah. I imagine by then it will probably be on there. Hope maybe like 30 or 20 bucks or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um but you did mention the the E3 video, right? Uh-huh. And it showed like the all, all of the javelins going through uh what's a mis- what seems to be a mission, right? Yeah. And it looks cool. Um everything looks cool, right? So so that so that's the best part of the game. That part is true. That part is good. Um if you if, if you like that video, then you're going to love Anthem. Um, it's just everything in between that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is not very good. Um, but I'm but definitely you're gonna be st- just sticking with it, though. Huh? Yeah, I'm definitely gonna stick with it. It's really fun. Um, it's it's one of those things like you're on a mission and you forget everything. You forget the loading screens, the rubber banding, the all, all of the little bugs. Um, there's also a bug, not in the mission parts, but when you're in your fort. Uh, Fort Tarsus, where for some reason, um, you know, you're walking around and then you stop because you want to do something, but your character keeps on walking, uh. even though you've let go of the stick. <laughs> yeah, that's a bug, but uh, you know, that's just minor and stuff. But it's, it's, I, I'd be lying to you if I said I was, uh, I wasn't let down because I, I I am let down by it because it's a Bioware game and it just seems to be another Bioware miss you know mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's the EA part where they're trying to rush Bioware to put out a game that wouldn't surprise me um, but this is an incomplete game and it seems like they focus solely on these missions and they forgot about the story and they forgot about the technical part of it so, uh, I, I guess if I were I were to give it a rating, I would probably right now give it uh, a two out of five. Mm. Yeah, a with two, the potential to go up though, <laughs> with the potential with to the go patches. up because I haven't played the end game. Apparently, the end game is really good. Okay, um, I don't know if I can stick with it that that long, um, but. Yeah, for for right now, from what I've played, it's a two. Yeah, yeah, you're right. For a Bioware game, that's disappointing. Yeah, <laughs> for it to be that low. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah, my, I've been having, not I wouldn't say troubles with my Xbox, but I've something happened to it where I made it to do certain things where I'm for years I've been doing something stupid with my system because for the longest time for I have a, kind of a small entertainment system space for like my systems and like my receiver and all that stuff. So in order to have my Xbox in a wide space and not have it be tight for the last several years, I've been keeping it on my subwoofer and that's a big no, no. (laughs) Like I said, just for spacing reasons. Oh, I see. Oh, by the way, I I did look at my friends list on, on my PS4 Anthem game. You can look up, you know, who your, your friends list in the game. Uh, and it says that you have a character. What? <laughs> like in an anthem? Yeah, an anthem. That's weird. Like it creates one for I guess anyone on your friends list. I guess so. Like it What's just it? randomly creates says like, oh Tim, um, is a level one ranger or something. <laughs> Does it give you like a picture, like a profile picture? No, no, <laughs> like, no. It just says your 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 username and um, wh- which javelin you picked. Okay. <laughs> I'm not that's sure very if that's accurate. presumptuous of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, so because I was playing Kingdom Hearts and I was just in a normal battle and they have these summons where you can like summon these Disney characters to help you out in battle. And I just got uh, Ariel from the Little Mermaid, her summon. And I did it once. And it was like this big cinematic sequence that comes out before you're able to use her attack. And it was fine. Then I did it again. All of a sudden, my Xbox just shuts off. What? Yeah. And I turned it like, okay. I turned it back on. I said, your system is overheating. And <laughs> like, picture it's in an open space. All the stuff it tells you not to yeah. do. I guess it was just a glitch maybe that I was having. I did the same summon again. And I've been at the same part. So it's just mm-hmm. something about that aerial summon like <laughs> that causes the system <laughs> to overheat. So, so you, like, can't, uh, you can't use that then? For the, I could use it, but I just have to skip the cinematic that happens before it. Oh, I see. So I was in my head, so I was looking up stuff about it, and it happens to other people. It just seems to be something about it. I've I've read other things where it's like you know there's something inside the Xbox One, like the pasting, yeah. which I never <laughs> really knew too much about. That might be going now, like. But then I just saw like, even on the official Microsoft site, like make sure this is how the best way to put your system, and like specifically said, do not keep on subwoofer like oops <laughs> gotta change that so i had to get a vertical yeah. stand so i could fit it on my entertainment system to, and have a plenty of open space for it to breathe so <laughs> what about the ps4 version or does it yeah I'm does not, it do the same thing or i don't think so oh i at least haven't read up on it but so far i just heard it's for the xbox hmm. for the xbox one but and i got it on there because xbox one x is supposed to be you know a little better visually on there yeah. plus i want to get achievements for it also <laughs> that's where i have a high gamer score my xbox or played it so long i wanted to build it up especially for kingdom hearts so but oh and that's another thing too um i did play the anthem demo that they put out uh-huh. um both the vip demo and the open demo um and i mean that 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 was truly awful that, that almost made me regret <laughs> buying the game wow uh, constant disconnect I, I, for, for one thing i couldn't even get on the server and uh, when i did get on the server it disconnected me 
like, so, uh, like those, kept on disconnecting yeah. me and then you load up a mission and on the loading screen it took forever it took like three or four minutes to load um if it didn't disconnect you on the loading screen so let's say you <laughs> did get in right you did get into the mission like you match make made the mission right with random uh-huh. people so those people let's say they sort of had no problems with the loading or the disconnection so they they're doing the mission so you could jump in into like the middle of a cutscene or the <laughs> middle of fighting a boss and then you would die right and let's say they don't revive you right or let's say uh-huh. the, the the whole team wipes right so you would have to go and close the app. You, you would have to close the game and then reload the game because they didn't put a a like return to you know a checkpoint button in the in, <laughs> in, in the uh, on the screen. So you'd have to close it, reopen it, reconnect, um, and hopefully you reconnect it. And hopefully it puts you back right where you, you left off. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, they they have made the disconnections, the loading screens, like, ten times better. So, That's good, at least. Imagine if yeah. it was the actual game and it launched that way, man. Yeah, be, yeah. It'd <laughs> be even worse. Yeah, yeah so Anthem... Uh, it Anthem is a wait and see. It's not a complete <laughs> game. It's not a complete game right now. Um, it just thinks that that's the way some games go now. They've released, but yet you know they're not complete. But eventually they will be, and you yeah. still got to pay like the full price for it too. Yeah, and like, I would be willing to wait a little bit longer to get make sure these games are polished before they come out. I mean, yeah, these studios or develop or I should say publishers, probably they're the ones who really push them to hit their release dates without making sure everything needs to be where they need to be for the game to be you know paul is well yeah just a shame that that's still an issue it seems like it'll always be an issue yeah i mean it it almost makes me think that i think bioware needed another year that's right it was delayed even from its original day it's supposed to be out end of 2018 right right i think it needed another year of development to be a complete game um there is a structure there but there's barely a structure there. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, definitely wait on Anthem. Yep. That's going to be my plan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's our video game update, I guess, <laughs> section for this episode. <laughs> right. But with that, we can go ahead and get into the nitty-gritty with the Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary. We are well over the two-hour mark now, Dane, at two hours and one minute <laughs> is where we're going to begin on this episode. Right. So as always get your relevant media formats, your DVD, your VHS, your Betamax, your laser disc, your HD DVD, your projector and your blockbuster video membership card, your Netflix physical media and our favorite, your VHS to DVD converter. So if you got all those great formats and are ready to go, I'll give the countdown. Are you ready, Dane? Yep, ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. As Bruce is with Selena here. And this is that big controversy as far as it never bothered me, but everyone's like, how did Bruce Wayne travel to Gotham City so fast? Did that ever bother you in the theater? I just summed it up to, you know, 
They never specified the time that passed from when Bruce got out of the cave to when he arrived here. And he's Bruce Wayne. He has connections probably all over the world. He'd be able to get it to Gotham without any problems. Yeah, but it's also, you know, Bruce Wayne is finally back in Gotham, out of the cave, you know. He's uh, going to be Batman. Exactly. <laughs> so that, I didn't even think about that when seeing it in the theater. Because like you said, you're just excited that he's back and you're, we're getting to the big final conflict between him and Bane. So yeah. it was never too much of a non-issue. That snow doesn't look very good. <laughs> it looks like gross dirty. snow. Yeah, dirty <laughs> snow. And we're about to... Well, we made it through that scene, but now we've got Gordon uh, and Miranda about yeah. supposedly helping them <laughs> track the bomb. But yeah. we'll see what happens next time. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to... We're going to have to wait to see if Miranda, quote-unquote, is a good person yeah. or a bad person. There were those rumors, those leaked set photos that maybe she's Talia. I don't know. Yeah, and then uh, I, I keep on forgetting the actress's name. I know she's still acting. Yeah, Marianne um, Cotillard. No, no, no. Um, the, the the one that plays Talia as a kid. Oh, okay. she actually she she um, accidentally revealed yeah, that she was playing Talia. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they tried to keep it a secret, but yeah, in the end, they failed. <laughs> But speaking of villains, that would bring us into our feature topic for this episode. In this one, we're going to be talking about our favorite new Batman villains created in the 21st century, or give or take around the last 20 years. <laughs> but I was just thinking about, you know, we all know Batman has the greatest rogues gallery ever out of any comic book superhero, followed closely by Spider-Man. But Batman still, I think, reigns the best. But how hard it is to create new villains for Batman when there's so many classic ones that have already been done. But in, you know, like the last 20 years, there have been some really good ones that have been created and have now kind of established themselves into that classic Batman's role gallery. Some more popular than others, but I think even some of the lesser ones have made a pretty good impact as far as being cool new Batman villains. So I thought that would be a good thing to discuss to list our favorites over the last 20 years or so. So um, I picked around five. I know that's usually my go-to number <laughs> when doing a countdown list. So I'll give my top five. I'm not sure how many you have, Dane. But um, to kick it off, I'm going to, of course, give an honorable mention. And my first honorable mention is going to be the architect from Gates of Gotham. And just saw it right off the bat, visually, I think one of the coolest looking new Batman villains. Kind of like that steampunk look that with a cool mask and armor that he has but just visually cool and a great story i love that gates of gotham story it was really cool and something different about you know those architects who pretty much built the bridges and the gates bridges called the gates of gotham and how they were kind of you know missed the wanted to get revenge on the big four families of gotham uh for you know how they treated them and everything that went down in that story so a cool villain who i think uh, showed up i think it was batman eternal or one of the weekly batman series that happened a few years ago but they haven't he hasn't shown up in a big way since gates of gotham i always wish he'd be used more but he was someone i always thought was a cool new villain and had a cool backstory and a cool look so he'll be my first honorable mention but for my number five pick um this one i don't know if this is considered cheating but i consider this a semi-new villain but i'm gonna go with the Martha Wayne Joker. And 
we all know how crazy Flashpoint got in some really cool stories, but I think none other is greater than what Jeff Johns and then Brian Azzarello in this miniseries did with Thomas Wayne's Batman and Martha Wayne being the Joker. I remember that blowing me away when I found out that she was the Joker because they hinted at the Joker in the first issue, but we didn't know it was Martha Wayne. And once that got revealed, like I said, it blew me away, but it made total sense. It's just such a cool, unique off, you know, Elseworld story to do with these characters that just totally works. Something you never think of, but boy, does it make sense about what could happen if Bruce Wayne got killed instead of Thomas and Martha and the effect it would have on them. And man, that page was visually striking just where we see her holding Bruce's body and the blood goes on her mouth, creating that smile. She just loses it right there, becoming the Joker and just the confrontations that Thomas Wayne has with her at the end of that story was just, you know, brutal and kind of heartbreaking too, because you know, they were husband and wife and they lost their son. This is how they reacted. And then Thomas is trying to tell her, you know, there's a way for Bruce to come back because of Barry being there telling him this reality isn't real. But the thing she does by kidnapping the dent twins slashing at, I believe I remember right slashing Gordon's neck when he tries to rescue them. So she was just full blown out there into the Joker. She looked great as a Joker too. It was such a, a little, it was on the Heath Ledger side, but it was just a creepy look that just went really well. So she'd probably be my first pick, even though it's technically not, you know, <laughs> a brand new villain, but a great new take on a classic villain that just blew me away that I think has to be mentioned because it was just some. That was really well done. I think a standout in the last 20 years of Batman story. So Martha Wayne Joker would be my first pick. Uh, for me, it seems like everybody picked my <laughs> my um, my choices. You know, Court of Owls. And but just Hush. where will they rank? But, <laughs> That's the um, um, so for me, like I tried to think of sort of villains that nobody would really pick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and my first one is Professor Pig. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that that he, that that's the rare instance where it's written really well, and also it has a uh, he has a really cool look. Yeah, uh, with the sort of bow tie and the the suit and the pig mask, of course. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not, I'm not the biggest Grant Morrison fan. Uh, but I do think that this is the best thing that I've read of his. Um, I can't remember where he had his debut. Do you remember? I believe it was, it was Batman and Robin number one. Once, once Dick first took over as mm. Batman. I could have swore it was before that. Like that, that was an existing character. I'm pretty sure that was his debut. But yeah, but I, uh, the, the the early Batman and Robin is where I really remember him from. Um, again, I'm not the biggest Grant Morrison fan, but he, he made a great villain in professor pig. Yep. And you'll be hearing me or from me about professor pig later on. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> but, uh, my number four pick is, this is going to be a no brainer and I'm sure which a lot of people would choose as well. And probably, the most popular out of any new Batman villain that has been created in the last 20 years. And that is hush. Now hush is a villain in a story where it was cool or actually Dane, I just looked it up real quick. Going back to professor pig, his first appearance was in Batman six, six, six 
in oh, July I'm, 2007. <laughs> so I think he had that little tease of him, but <laughs> that he makes first sense. <laughs> really didn't show up until the Batman and Robin. Right. So. right. Okay. But yeah, so Hush, obviously he was in the big Batman Hush story back in 2004. And Hush was kind of a mixed bag for me then because I think he still is a cool concept of a character. I love that it's a childhood friend of Bruce becoming, you know, a great enemy of his. And it's such a simple but cool design that he has with the trench coats and the bandages over his head. But the thing that never really sold him on me or sold him for me as far as being, you know, a great new Batman villain right away is his motivation for becoming coming a villain in that story the kind of way he was like this jealous of bruce and he decides to kill his parents in that car accident or set it up to where they get killed in that car crash it's been a while since i've read the full hush story for all the details i remember that was the gist of it where i just didn't buy into his motivation as far as being that jealous of bruce of all that he had and everything that he didn't so but over the years he's gotten some Great stories and great appearances. One of probably his best being Heart of Hush, which was a fantastic story. And then that whole time where he stole Bruce's face and tried to uh, be Bruce Wayne for a little bit. So I always liked that dynamic of a Batman or Bruce having a friend, a childhood friend who knows a lot about him being a villain. So um, great concept, but not too many. Didn't have the greatest debut, in my opinion, but he's been another story that's gotten better as the times goes by so that's why he ranks kind of lower on my top five but I had to put him on there because he's becoming one of if not one of one of batman's more popular villains but probably definitely the most popular that has been created in the last 20 years uh yeah i'm gonna agree with you my next pick is hush um with the caveat that I didn't like how he was connected to Bruce. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't like that part of it. I do agree that it's he's a great villain and he's big villain for, you know, I guess in the 21st century, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I didn't like how they connected him to Bruce where he's Bruce's stepbrother, right? So... I don't. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, I thought he was his. He, he was his stepbrother, right? Was did he live with him for a while? Or well, how could he be his? Stepbrother? Oh, oh, sorry. No, no. I'm thinking of something else. Sorry. He he was a he the the, the family friend, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I miss a big <laughs> no, no. Sorry, I, was, <laughs> I, I didn't like how they connected him to Bruce. I just didn't like that part. But I everything else, I I do like and. Again, like Professor Pig, he was designed really well, and he was written really well. So, yeah, for me, it's Hush. And for my number three pick, we're going to go back to Grant Morrison stories. <laughs> I'm going to go with Dr. Simon Hurt, and for the main villain from Batman R.I.P. And a big factor where I think he works so well is just the mystery surrounding him. And I remember doing a little research on him before where he he was like some unnamed character in the background of an old batman issue but he pretty much really wasn't created and developed by grant morrison until he started his r.i.p run so uh this this first off him saying claim that he is thomas wayne i remember this being a big deal at the time thinking oh man is dc actually bringing back thomas wayne to life and like how is this going to affect bruce so i just remember reading through that story and starting with the black glove up to r.i.p just the mystery surrounding this character is he actually uh, is who he's pretending to be or saying he is. 
And then there was other theories. Like, I see, like, evil incarnate is the actual devil here. Like, Thomas Wayne, is he an ancient ancestor of Bruce? So just that whole concept of mystery surrounding him. I remember being like, really intriguing and uh, making it exciting to read Grant Morrison's stories throughout his run and, you know, the big R.I.P. era of Batman. And just the way he looked to kind of really sticking it to Batman by wearing that old Thomas Wayne Batman outfit with the cape and the cowl uh, with the mask that kind of curves up. I always liked that look with that original Thomas Wayne Batman costume and to kind of see Dr. Hurt wear that you take it that he's making a mockery of it or he's claiming his rightful title because he didn't know if he was Thomas Wayne. So I love the manipulation he had with Bruce and this, the Batman R.I.P. Yeah, the, the ending was anticlimactic, but I always liked that story and what he was trying to do and prove to Batman there. And eventually it got revealed that he is an ancient ancestor of Bruce's name, Thomas Wayne. So he does have that family connection and he wasn't lying about being Thomas Wayne, but it wasn't, you know his father thomas wayne but i always just liked him as the villain and kind of more of that uh the the thinking man's villain <laughs> type of thing where he's not really a, too much of a physical threat for batman but you know just in the mental side of things he was a match for him and just kind of really got to him so i always liked that aspect and just that kind of kicked off the idea of having thomas wayne actually back and we did get a better version of that i think with flashpoint and that thomas wayne batman so but this was kind of the kickoff as far as me thinking oh man what would it be like if thomas wayne actually does come back and how can it affect bruce's life and we're still seeing that now when tom king's run bringing uh flashpoint batman back and how how he fits into all this and how he is still affecting bruce's life but even though the two separate characters that idea got kicked off with simon hurt being involved in r.i.p so just having a really cool story and just creating a great mystery around him kind of made him one of the more memorable new villains created. And I kind of hope we see him again at some point down the line. Uh, for me, my number three, I'll just say it. It's the court of owls. Um, there's something about a secret cult that I just love. Uh, and the, the, the big thing that was promoted at the time was the look of them. Yes. The, 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 the owl mask. And, you know, this is, these are people that are the supposed rich and powerful of Gotham and they're doing like this weird cult thing. And, um, it's always been around and that, that that's another thing too, how Scott Snyder sort of twisted that, like where he made us believe that the, the, the court of owls have always been around, even though he created this Yeah, uh-huh. and he, he, it's, it's how he wove it into his story. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just love the Court of Owls, uh, their look, their, their whole big crossover story. Um, and yeah, uh, my third pick is the Court of Owls. Yep. And again, you'll hear me talk about them more very shortly. <laughs> is it but, your number one, Tim? It's probably not going to be a surprise to anyone, but yeah, <laughs> but before I get to number one, Got to go with my number two Dude. pick, and that's going back to Professor Pig. Yep. Before even the Court of Owls were created back when, you know, Professor Pig first debuted, I just thought, man, this is a great new Batman villain who I could just easily see fitting right in with Batman's rogues gallery. And he kind of took off right away as far as being established amongst the other Batman villains because he, every time there'd be these comics, like Batman number one, 
in the new 52 comes to mind where usually when there's a moment where Batman's in Arkham or there's a group of villains, Professor Pig would now be amongst those group of villains where you'd see like Scarecrow, Riddler, Two-Face all together. Now Professor Pig just fits right in there among them. So he was kind of almost an instant classic <laughs> as soon as he debuted. And like you said, Dane, his look with just that pig mask. And there's been different variations of the look of Professor Pig with like a different type of pig mask where one just covers the top of his like forehead down to his nose, other ones that covered his whole face. So there's different ways they can go about his look, but it's always has this creepy feel to it. That just and he has that butcher's apron, the knife butcher's knife. It just has this really creepy look and vibe to him that just fits right on right in with amongst Batman's most crazy villains and Grant Morrison, yeah, it was a great introduction because he really sold that weirdness, crazy, creepy factor with him. That instance where he starts doing that song and dance number <laughs> uh, with, uh, with that issue where it's like, I forget exactly what caused him to do that. But the way he just go, kind of loses it because this dance routine, uh, the red coloring of how it was colored in the comic just how this really <laughs> made it look even more crazy. So. He definitely fits right in there. And then he's been in several adaptions in other media too already. He's probably one of the uh, few who's got that treatment the most as far as the Batman villains. He's been in the animated series as far as Beware of the Batman. He was a villain there. Gotham, he's been in the appearance there. It's actually, Gotham did a really good job doing portraying Professor Pig as that crazy <laughs> a villain and the look of him too they captured. So he's made his presence known through other media probably the most out of all these new villains that have been created lately. So yeah, I have to give it to Grant Morrison's professor pig. And this is a, the name too, professor pig just rolls right off the tongue. When you say Riddler, two face, the Joker, scarecrow, professor pig, it's just like, he's been there all along with them. So hats off to Grant Morrison for creating, you know, a new villain who could immediately fit right in there with the other Batman villains. So that's why he's the, takes the number two spot on my list. Uh, my number two is going to be sort of like your Martha Wayne uh, uh-huh. Joker sort of thing because he wasn't created in the 21st century, uh-huh. uh, but he definitely became a big character, um, and that's going to be James Gordon Jr. Ah, yes, yeah. good call. Mm. Um, I love how his story started off as the 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 backstory for um was it black mirror tim yeah uh-huh. yeah and sort of there's like little hints of you know who's this guy it's revealed to be james gordon jr and i like the fact that this is like a little thing that i, I totally liked about his character a he was you know a serial killer he's just a serial killer killer right mm. and there's like this one little anecdote I like so much is he, I, I guess Jim Gordon and Barbara Gordon uh, realized that he was having problems and so they put him on medication but then he found a way to reverse the effects of the medication to make him more of a serial killer. I don't know, I just, yeah. <laughs> I just like that. Um but but yeah, the, you know the big reveal that it, it, you know the 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 killer going around Gotham is James Gordon and how he confronts Barbara Babs and stab, stabs her in the leg. That was one of the the the, the biggest surprises. Yeah, I'd say. like like she wakes up and then you know she has like a a blanket over her legs and then 
at the end of the story, it's revealed that he has two knives in her legs. Um, that was, that blew me away. And how, you know, so, so, at the end of the, the storyline, um, you know, is, is Jim Gordon going to kill his son? You know, and then he ends up shooting him in the legs. And then the sort of your typical ambiguous, did he survive? You know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I, lo- I loved his entire story arc. I'm not sure if he's still around in the um, the relaunch, the rebirth. Yeah, as far as the stuff I've read or and heard, he's been MIA for a while. Yeah. And even his other appearances, like some of the new 52 stories, like in Batgirl, just never quite lived up to his story in that Black Mirror series. Right. That right. Scott Snyder did. It was fantastic, like you said. It just, I like how he tied it into the events that happened in Batman Year One, where him, you know, falling off, being fallen off that bridge and Batman catching him kind of left, traumatized him, even at that young of an age, but kind yeah. of started his you know path down as far as you know being mentally disabled there you know so just yeah there's a great use of scott snyder to use a character who's never been like i said wasn't created he didn't create but (laughs) used them in a fantastic new way to create a new villain so it's a really creeping disturbing villain like you said we're finding out just the way he went about his killings and like I said, what he did to Barbara, just stuff that really made you feel uncomfortable. But at the same time, it made for a great villain, especially for this early on. And Dick Grayson taking over the cow of Batman mm-hmm. for a foe for him to go up against is really great stuff. Was year one, his first appearance. It would I have to be, right? So. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And then nothing until the, the black mirror back. Yeah. <laughs> And I think he kind of got overused a little bit where he was – everyone loved what Scott Snyder did to him. They wanted to you know, continue his story. But it's almost like someone where you have to use sparingly maybe to make work because too much of him you can – I want to say like get tired of it. But he doesn't become I think much of a foil if he keeps – you keep using him up against Batman and the other Bat family members. They probably catch up to his routine and the way he goes about doing things to take him down pretty easily. So – Maybe that's why he hasn't been used in a while, but I think it's been a long enough gap for where he could make a return to have a very poignant story to have him be involved in. So we'll see. He's definitely a great character where you don't want to see yeah. or a great character to be used as a villain, I should say, to be, you know, be sitting on the sidelines for too long. But, Just as long as he doesn't turn into Zaz, another yeah, Zaz, right? <laughs> exactly. That's Yeah. <laughs> so have him do his own thing. But yeah, good call on that one. But yeah, so for my number one pick, no surprise, The Court of Owls. I mean, kind of like what Grant Morrison did with Professor Big, almost creating an instant classic villain. I think Scott Snyder did that as well with The Court of Owls, but yet it's just not one particular villain. It's a whole secret organization (laughs) of, you know, people who've been there from the beginning, but yet we never knew about Like you said, Dane, it's just such a cool concept where these group of people were were the you know secret society of Gotham that oversaw everything and made sure things go the way they had planned, and they've been there all along, but we've only heard of them too now until recently, as far I should say, when they first appeared in the New Fifty Two Batman title. But I just love how Batman kind of the story where Batman kind of threw a wrench and how <laughs> they want things to operate in Gotham, and that's kind of they felt like they had the the deal with him now, and also just that mystery that surrounded them as well. I love comics that stories that create mysteries as far as these 
news threats where it makes you question certain things that you've known all along. Like I said, with Simon Hurt pretending to be or claiming he was Thomas Wayne and then in Court of Owls, uh, them kind of hinting at maybe are they, are they responsible for the death of the Waynes? And we had that great story where Bruce thinks or that issue where Bruce thinks that as a kid and he goes to investigate and it pretty much stumbles on a dead end and that comes and makes him believe that the court of owls is nothing but a myth and he stops believing in them until you know he sees them face to face once he gets trapped in that labyrinth which is one of the great batman moments i think in recent memory memory for me him facing off against the members of the court of owls where he's stuck in that labyrinth he's kind of losing himself in that in there but then he just steps up and just takes them all down (laughs) it is such a great triumphant Batman moment there that I always love and just beautifully played out by Greg Capullo's art and just told wonderfully by Scott Snyder's writing but yeah just the Court of Owls as a villain and then the metaphors kind of he used and the visuals visualization he did to show just what big of a threat these this group is for Batman and one of the favorite parts about his story that really stuck with me is that moment where he, another year one callback where we see Bruce you know, in his chair with the bell, you know, bleeding, wondering if he should, call, if he should call, out, call Alfred for help. And then that bat flies in and that's, you know, what gives him the inspiration to live on and to become Batman. But then Scott Snyder went a little further with that, showing what happened to that bat after <laughs> he left that room and flew out the window. And that owl comes and snatches up that bat for dinner. <laughs> and this, I love how that show that Batman's in, you know, for the fight of his life here and may not be you know, Gotham's, you know, biggest champion that he thinks he is, is he's going to go face off against, you know, a group that's been here much longer than, you know, Batman, obviously, and the Waynes and their family. So just that visualization and that way of showing that Batman, you know, is going to be taken down a peg here by an enemy he does not suspect. So just tons of great stuff story-wise. And like you said, Dane, the look of them was so cool. You got those just plain, simple white masks that look like in the shape of an owl. And like I said, it really took off amongst fans. They were giving them out at Comic-Con. They were selling them in stores. It just makes for a great piece to have in your collection as a Batman fan. It just, it's really cool. It's Like I said with Professor Pig, it's another visual design that's already up there uh, that's very recognizable as you know a Batman's villain look that uh, you can associate with him just like you would seeing the Joker's Joker's face, two faces, face and scarecrow. So it just fits right in there with them. And then also to the talons. I mean, another great look that they have like owl ninjas. (laughs) Visually, they look cool. A great, you know, weapon that the court of owls had to utilize their backstory and how Dick Grayson tied into that. There's just a lot of great stuff and mythology building that the court of owls um, had with or made bigger, I guess, in Batman's, like I said, Batman's mythology just added so much to it for the better, in my opinion, that just makes it even more rich uh, for Batman and the Bat family members' history to have. So everything, I should, well, I shouldn't say everything, the Lincoln March aspect of it with him being Bruce's brother, that was something that it probably didn't need and obviously not something that's very important to it because we haven't heard from Lincoln March since the the end of Batman Eternal and even his presence Uh, there. Tim, was, that's that's what I got confused with with Hush. Okay, Lincoln Marsh. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. And, and also my number one pick. But uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's like it'll, it'll be a good lead-in. So, yeah. 
So yeah, that was the only part of it that didn't really work for me. But that's not totally connected to the core of valves and why they're so great. So yeah, and they they're gonna have a lasting history. Just like I think Professor Pig's gonna have them too. I think. The or Hush, Professor Pig, and the Court of Owls, I think, are going to be the three villains out of all the new ones that have been created in the 21st century that are going to have the most staying power and are going to be up there amongst Batman's classic villains and rogues galleries. So, and even though the Court of Owls had their appearance on Gotham, which was mixed results, uh, they get they got the secret society part down pretty good for the most part, but their look not so much. <laughs> I never liked the mask that they use. And I've said before, we had that episode where um, our future topic was dedicated to why I think the Court of Owls should be the next villains used in a solo Batman movie. And I still stand by that. And I don't know if Matt Reeves feels that way, but what he said on our last episode where he's talking about, you know, how there's going to be rogues of of villains in Batman's in his movie. So we're wondering how that could be like, you know, we don't want to make him. Uh, use too many villains, but there's a way you can make it work if it's a detective story. And part of me is thinking, well, maybe he's talking about, you know, a group of villains being the Court of Owls as, you know, the secret society be, you know, multiple people in there and it's not just one. So maybe that's reaching too much into his comments, but part of me wants to hope that <laughs> maybe they will play a role. But. Here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of villains in this new The Batman movie. Mm-hmm. But um, Penguin is going to be behind all of them. I bet you. Yeah. So you have Penguin be involved, but don't have him be the mastermind or behind it. Yeah. <laughs> have the Court of Owls be behind him, like becoming a big mob boss or something like that. Yeah. Because you remember it could for even a be while, a cool. You remember for a while, it, it was always Penguin. Yeah. In the comics. <laughs> yeah, he was showing up everywhere. <laughs> you are absolutely right. But I was going to say, it could even be cool for if Matt Reeves is planning a trilogy just to have the Court of Owls be like a plot thread throughout all three films. And maybe the last one is where they really come out and you see ta- the talons and it's pretty yeah. much an adaption of <laughs> Scott Snyder's Court of Owls story. But again, that's just wishful thinking. But knowing how popular they are and what a big success that um, Scott Snyder had with creating them, I don't think, or I should say, it'll just be a matter of time before we see them in a Batman movie. I think, I think they're that popular where they'll want to be used there. So uh, here's hoping. Yeah, so my number one pick is somebody that's not going to be appearing in um, the Batman movies. Uh, also has the potential of being overused in a TV series. Um, and that's going to be Kate Kane's Alice. Ah, uh, yeah. I had a feeling that was going to be your number one. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, she she's not going to be appearing in the Batman. Hopefully that that would be a stretch, and she has the potential of being overused in the Batwoman TV series. Yeah. She just uh, got hopefully. cast not too while ago too. So. Oh yeah, I yeah. didn't see that. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, my number one pick, of course, is going to be Alice. I I just love the way her character looks. Extremely creepy in that sort of doll way mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um, and just how she sort of is she speaks in riddles there's this huge scene where um batwoman is interrogating her and she's she, she's only speaking in lines from alice in wonderland mm-hmm. uh, that's really creepy and then again like lincoln march she is kate kane's sister 
who you thought died. Um, and I think it's like 15 years earlier, right? Uh-huh. Um, you, so you think she dies, Batwoman gets a hint that it might, and, and just the reveal of how um, she might be connected to Kate Kane, and she might be Beth Kane, Elizabeth Kane. Um, I just really like how they did that, and just to get confirmation at the end that, you know, uh, Batwoman does a blood test, um, and it is Beth. It has to be Beth, right? Um, it, it, it just made for a nice, nice story. Um, you know, especially when you take into consideration how she's having trouble with her, her dad, she, she doesn't really like her dad. Mm -hmm. And then she has her sister whom she thought died and her sister is her biggest nemesis. You know, it's, it's her big, it's her joker, right? Yeah. Um, See, I just like how that all that played out, and yeah, that's that's why she's my number one pick. Yeah, cool. So, as we stated, we had some a couple that we had on the same list, but we had different ones too. And I just think that speaks to how many great villains have been created in this century in the last twenty years or so with Batman. So it's almost like I said at the beginning, it seemed like an impossible task for a new comic writer to do, but. It's happening, and I'm sure it'll continue to happen to get new great Batman villains. So, yeah, but before we end the discussion fully, got a few responses on Twitter when I put the word out for those who wanted to share some of their favorites. And a lot of it is going to be in agreement with us as far as some of the more popular ones. Uh, for, first off is John Arvidan at John Arvidan. Uh, he mentions the Court of Vows. Um, which obviously I wholeheartedly agree with you, John. And then Jim Bob Squarepants at Vintage GT. Oh, that's GT. my guy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest Twitter name ever. Yeah. <laughs> and he agrees with John saying exactly what I was going to say. So there's two for quarter vowels. And then our good pal Mark Lemke at Dur underscore Lemke. He says, Hush, Dr. Death, and Sophia Falcone. But uh, sadly, Mark Dr. Death, we were both mistaken on this one because I replied saying, yeah, I forgot about Dr. Death. He was he played a big part in Zero Year by Scott Snyder. But then when I looked him up again, I was like, oh, that's right. Scott Snyder used him because uh, he was one of the first villains that Batman faced off in his first appearance, I believe, in Detective Comics 27. And you can kind of make the same argument that, you know, you did with James Gordon where he was kind of more fully established and utilized better by Scott Snyder, but technically he was created and had had a presence or at least a role in the first Batman story. So, But I, I know where you're coming from, Mark, because I totally forgot that he technically wasn't created this century as well, but it's, same, it's all good. Same thing with Black Mask, right? Because mm, yeah. I, I thought he was created in like the early 2000s maybe, but it turns out he was created in the 80s. Yeah, like no late eighties or so. Something. Yeah, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got when you're thinking about this, you got to do your research just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then our pal Rob Myers at Drummer Rob Ten from Everybody Loves the Drake podcast, he says, "Hush, Court of Owls and Professor Pig." And then Ricky Church at Richard Church sixteen says, "Professor Pig, Doctor Hurt have been pretty cool and are some of my personal favorites." And of course, the Court of Owls is one of the best additions to the mythos in recent years. So, yeah, thanks guys for chiming in with your thoughts. Glad we seem to be on the same page with a lot of the villains, especially with the Court of Owls. And I think if you were to do a poll on this, 
I'd say Court of Owls probably wins out as being the most popular and fan favorites amongst uh, the new villains that have been created over the last 20 years. So, but yeah, it's a cool discussion of something I kind of wanted to talk about for a little bit now. So, which was fun, but maybe I'm kind of on a villain mode here. So I think maybe in our next episode in our future topic, if there's no big, huge news, might want to do our all-time favorite villains just in general in any story or medium just to see who cracks that list. I'm sure that might be a little harder to choose from, but should be fun nonetheless. So I wonder if I could have picked um, Katrina Falcone. You know, I don't know if she was really a villain. Oh, was she? Cat, cat girl. Yeah, she, yeah she's in that story that... Did not go well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of forget. She was with the Riddler for a while, if I remember right. right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember how that ended. She's like, they did something where, like, did they shoot each other or something? No idea. I it, cannot remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why does he remember it wasn't good? I totally forgot about, you know, her being cat girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so I know something happened to her in the Riddler. Might have to look that up and see what happened but or she was a really bat, bat girl or something the the barbara gordon bat girl or, i don't know i, I can't remember <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, obviously it didn't have a lasting impact yeah. we can't remember but <laughs> obviously why i didn't pick her <laughs> yes <laughs> all right so that's going to do it for our feature topic on this episode which can move us right along into some news and discussion topics which uh, the, the big stuff on this episode I've been dying to talk about since last week, and I think you can imagine why, Dane. <laughs> no idea, Tim. No idea. It's happening. <laughs> Dr- dreams do come true. <laughs> Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are getting an animated movie. Yes, something that even when I was reading that comics, I was wanting and was hoping that would happen, but didn't want to get my hopes up until it was about a year ago or so where that leak came out of a poll Warner Brothers home video was doing as far as new animated movies like fans would want to see. And Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was on there. And that got me hopeful thinking, oh, this might be an idea that's actually going around at Warner Brothers Animation to actually do this. So, you know, didn't want to get too excited because it was just a poll. It wasn't anything, you know, that was announced. But the thought was there and here it is. It's actually happening. So just least credence, uh, they really looked at that poll and I think that did win the results for it. So it's happening. Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, an animated movie is coming late in the spring. They don't have an official date yet, but it says late spring. Um, this was broke by sci-fi wire. They had the exclusive reveal and it just says late spring. So I'm imagining probably around May, maybe late April. But it's happening, and I cannot be more excited, as you guys could probably guess. And it, it says in the uh, story article at Sci-Fi Wire 2 that um, it's going to be based off the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics by James Tinian and Freddie Williams. So uh, that's music to my ears, because just reading the, that first story, as I said, there were so many great moments in there that would just it just begged to be adapted into an animated movie and the fact that it's going to happen now and hopefully get some of those iconic moments in an animated film is going to be so so cool i mean just the first encounter between batman and the turtles was great and then you got some great character moments and the one that really made the story for me and solidified it as something really great is that 
conversation Batman has with Raphael when he takes Rap to you know, Crime Alley where his parents killed and just had a real heartfelt conversation that just really took the story, in my opinion, to a whole nother level. And I can't wait to see that uh, play out in animated form. And the voice cast announced for it um, is going to be pretty cool, too. Um, it's going to be Troy Baker playing Batman, who did uh, the Telltale series as Batman and did a great job. And then also he's going to be playing the Joker in the film as well, which he did a fantastic job as the Joker in Arkham Origins. And, you know, just really capturing that Mark Hamill style of it that just really, really made his Joker work. If you like that version of the character that Mark Hamill has done. So and then that, that's just great in itself. And then uh, the Turtles, um, their voice actors I'm not too familiar with. Um, you got Darren uh, Chris as Raphael, Kyle Mooney as Michelangelo. Baron Vaughn as Donatello and Eric Bauza as Leonardo. He's the only one I'm familiar with because he um, voiced the villain in the 2012 Turtles animated series, Tiger Claw, who was a great new villain created for that show. And he's actually voicing Splinter in the, the, the current new animated series, Rise of the TMNT. So I'll be curious to see his take as Leonardo. And then you got uh, Tom Kenny, or I should say um, Rachel Bloom as Batgirl, Tom Kenny as Penguin. Uh, who voices the penguin in the Batman? So Jordan should be happy about uh, him coming back as the penguin here. Is he the guy uh, that does um, uh, SpongeBob? Yeah, SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So he's I've done several voice act <laughs> voice acting roles, in, like especially in like, the comic book stuff and the DC stuff. But Futurama, that, that, right? And yeah, de- but definitely he's probably always going to be best known for SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. And John DiMaggio as Mr. Freeze. So John DiMaggio has played the Joker in The Red Hood. Now he'll be playing Mr. Freeze. And Tara Strong will be playing uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. So I'm curious why she's going to be voicing Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, but not Batgirl, because I love her Batgirl. But I'm sure Rachel Bloom will be do a great job as well. Just find it curious. <laughs> but And then Carlos um, uh, Alizacre, I'm probably pronouncing his name totally wrong, but he'll be playing Bane. And Cass Avnar or Anvar as Raish Al Ghul. So, for a lot of the characters who were in that first comic story, are going to be making an appearance in the movie. So, boy, if it was just a direct adaption of it, I, I would be happy. But I'm sure they'll, you know, might have depending how long it's going to be, either cut some stuff out or add more stuff to it. But I'm just excited, and the visual look of it too is a little different from the comics. But I love how it looks. The turtles look great. It's just their Simple designs. They're not adding anything new to them like like the current movies did with these gadgets or even the current animated series where they have to make the turtles look totally different with different aesthetics to their to their look and like outfits that they wear. But it's just the colored bandanas, their weapons, and that's it. That's all the turtles need. But Batman is the one who caught me by most surprise where they're doing, you know, the classic, you know, almost 70s styles Batman with the blue cape and cowl and the blue gloves. It's not the dark black and with the yellow uh, oval shield that he has for the logo so they're going you know classic batman look here but he looks great with the turtles you got batgirl who kind of has her new outfit and damien as robin so yeah all these characters that are i love their interactions with the turtles in the comics looks to be happening here in this movie even though the batman looks a little different i just cannot wait to see this all play out in animation style it's going to be fantastic so I am giddy with excitement. I just need a trailer ASAP <laughs> to really get me my excitement through the roof. But, man, it's pretty high right now. I just almost still can't believe this is happening. It really is. When they announced that comic, I forget when exactly, but several years ago now, that Batman and the Turtles were 
going to be teaming up. You know, I just thought, oh, this is a cool, fun thing to do in the comics realm. Two of my favorite franchises coming in for a fun story. But then that comic surpassed my expectations. And obviously it's, it did for a lot of people and who feel the same way I do about it. The fact that it's getting an animated movie now. So who would have thought that the Batman and the TMNT would be a marriage that worked out so well and we're still getting content <laughs> with that crossover. It's just amazing. I, I'm still in a bit of disbelief that this is all happening. It's just so, so cool. I believe it there, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> because you have another piece of news, right? Yes, I do. It's going to get even better. (laughs) (laughs) So we could potentially have a trilogy of Batman TMNT movies because they just announced not too long after we're getting the animated movie that we're getting the third installment of the Batman TMNT comics by James Tinian. And this is going to be coming around around the same time as I believe it's going to be out in, it says the spring as well, but May 1st is when the first issue comes out. It's going to be a six issue miniseries, kind of like the rest. And this one, um, the synopsis for it is going to be, let me try to bring that up here. Um, just that it looks like, yeah, it's not, it looks like Krang is going to get his hands on some Gotham tech. So Krang hasn't been a big factor in the crossover story so far. So the fact that they're going to go to that side of the TMNT universe and see, you know, Krang and maybe his, his armies from Dimension X and, uh, the Utram species and see how they deal with, you know, I'm curious what tech he will be taking and technology from Gotham. So I don't know. I can, even though Bane has been used already in the second story, I can see Bane and Krang <laughs> being uh, two villains who could team up together just for their big bulk and size if they really want to go for brute strength. But I don't think they'll go that route since Bane was the main villain um, from the last story. But again, just another thing to be excited about with Batman and the Ninja Turtles. going to get a movie, but then a new comic series to read. Around the same time. So, yeah, if we can get a trilogy of films based on all three of these stories, that would be amazing. So here's hoping the first animated movie sells well, that that will be the case. And we can get a trilogy of Batman Turtles comics and Batman Turtles animated movies and just keep the Batman Turtles goodness coming. Because why stop now? Why stop a great thing? (laughs) You know, I don't like the Michael Bay movies, the the, uh, Ninja Turtle movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like Krang in the second one. Yeah. <laughs> I like he the was, voice actor. Someone I always curious how it would be done in a movie and he was, wasn't in it too much, but yeah. when he wasn't there, he did look really good. <laughs> yeah. Have you, I know it was a while since you were on that turtles kick where uh, thanks to the <laughs> coming out of the shells concert tour. <laughs> <laughs> it's the weirdest start to a fandom. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been reading any more of the comics or watching any of the more of the show at all? Uh, no, because I ran out of uh, free. Co- uh, <laughs> I did the Comicsology Unlimited, uh-huh. and I ran out of the. It comes with your subscription graphic novels. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, probably gonna pick pick one up sooner or later. The next one. Mm, you know, it's definitely worth it. That's yeah. that series is not let me down yet and <laughs> they're close to 100 issues now so mm. looking forward to that milestone and what and is the new show out yet yeah mm. oh, it's it been is. out since yeah september oh wow yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a show it's definitely geared towards younger kids than the last show did yeah. but it, it has its moments it's totally different 
it changed a lot of things with the turtles. Some work well, some don't. But in the end, it's still an entertaining show. And I'm there's enough stuff they're establishing new with the story they're trying to tell. It has me interested to see what they do with it, where I keep watching. And plus, new episodes are only like 10 minutes. So it doesn't take long just to watch 10 minutes of some TMNT <laughs> action. Yeah. So I still keep up with it, even though it's probably not going to go down as one of my favorite adaptions of the series or of the you, franchise, I should say. See, that's what I like about... Um as you know, I've been for the first time watching The Office, the American uh, version. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's what I like about uh, the American version of the or the Office is it's only twenty two minutes, right? Well, how, was the British one a lot longer? No, no, no. It was you know thirty minutes, but okay. What I'm saying is just like overall, like your investment isn't that much because it's only twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, speaking of which, how what season are you at now in the office? Um, season five, I want to say. Okay, season well, I five. Guess, what story um, point are you at? <laughs> like, what's going on? Uh, Andy just found out that uh, Dwight and Angela have been sleeping together. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Whatever episode that, might, that is. Yeah, I think that is season five because at the end of season four is when he proposes to her at that. At the party, that goodbye party they were having for Toby. Oh, right, and Jim is going to yeah. do it. <laughs> okay, so you're to season five. So that means, you probably answered my question already that I was going to ask. You saw the cold opening with everyone dressing up as the Joker? Oh, for yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, C- Creed was dressed up as the Joker. It was uh, Dwight, Creed, Creed, and Kevin. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> then Kevin gets mad at Creed <laughs> once he sees him. <laughs> so so Creed, Creed plays himself then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like, I, you know how in, like, season two or season one or whatever, he, he was like, yeah, he used to be in a rock and roll band back in, mm. like, the 60s or whatever. And then I had to go look it up, and apparently he was in that band, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, you'll see as the seasons go on, you'll actually see him playing <laughs> guitar at certain spots and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, but, but yeah, I, lo- I love... It, it, it took me... Seven years since the end of that show to finally get around, get around to watching it. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's, it's really It's never good. too late to get into a TV show. <laughs> and, and, and let me just say, this is how you write a love story mm-hmm. with, with, the, with the Jim and Pam thing, where it's, it's, a, it's a big thing, but it's not the big major thing, right? Yeah. There's other things going on. It's not like the, the crux of the show. Um, not like uh, Arrow, but um, and they, uh, I was gonna say they dragged it out just long, but they didn't drag it out because it didn't feel like a drag. Where they finally do get together, it was like paced really well. Where it felt at the right time where they established that they get yeah. together, or they moved on from the will they won't they type of thing. Yeah, and especially after they get together, and then uh, she moves to New York to be a uh, or to go to uh, art school. It's, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's that one guy that's kind of hitting on her a little bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, no. But then that's over really quick. Yeah. So, uh-huh. And it doesn't really, as far as I can tell, as far as I've seen, it doesn't really have that big of an impact on what's going on there. So I don't have to worry about that. Nope. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I've been loving the the office yeah, I first started watching it. I think it was on season five. 
because we're in, I was working at an office at the time, <laughs> and uh, my boss there and a few other workers there was, were talking about it. He was comparing uh, these two guys who sat by each other to Dwight and Jim, because <laughs> one yeah. one of uh, the guys' name was Joey, and the guy who was like Jim, and the guy named uh, Mitchell who was like Dwight. Or Joey would always kind of play these jokes and pranks on, <laughs> on Mitchell. Nothing to the extreme that Jim did, but the way they would go, their personalities were so different. Uh, my boss named Mike, coincidentally, <laughs> to, uh, would call, you know, you two are like Jim and Dwight in the office. I'm like, eh, not too familiar with that. Then just started watching it. And then once it was on Netflix, or Netflix came to Xbox, like right when Netflix came to Xbox, <laughs> like around 2008, <laughs> to stream it on, that's when we started watching it. Right, and, right. And then it started relating a lot to <laughs> what happened in the office when working at the office I did at. And you know, more people started watching it where we work at. And we started comparing like, oh, this person's like this. This person's like that character and all that. Someone said I was the Toby <laughs> of our job, which I didn't work in human resources. But <laughs> Really? Were you yelled at and put down by your boss? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, oh, you just have like a calm presence like <laughs> like he does with the show. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I never thought of that. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, was, I got hooked on it right away once I started watching it. Yeah, I should, I should have definitely watched it sooner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I had only seen The British Office. Mm. I've, and that I've never seen besides a few scenes here or there. I haven't seen like a full episode of it. Yeah. the the I guess the big difference is um, the American Office is way more fleshed out. And there's there's a lot of characters, right, mm-hmm. that have lines. Whereas in the British office, it's just uh, Tim and Don and um, David Brent. So, yeah, I oh, and also, um, it seems like I don't know if you get this impression, but I, I I feel that Michael Scott is a really good person deep down. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he he's a really good salesman. It is it? It just comes. It's just on the surface. He's kind of rude. Doesn't think about stuff. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Would> exactly. <laughs> but that, that's what makes him such a lovable character, even though he does stupid and say awful things sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, he's got a good heart in there. Yeah, and also you have to explain something to me. So. And I don't know if this gets into spoilers for the future seasons, but okay, uh, j- just tell me. Was why did Holly get moved? Um, just yeah. So you saw the episode where they had that auction in the warehouse. Yeah, I guess it was just one of those things. Was he saw David Wallace uh, saw. Michael and Holly, I think they were like hugging or kissing after that. He gave them that look like that sh- they shouldn't be having, <laughs> I guess, that kind of relationship, I guess. And oh, so, I see. I yeah. think it was something that he transferred her. Oh, okay. And that was that was tough to get through. <laughs> <laughs> that was a oh, funny man. episode, though, on the ride there and then the ride back. Yeah. <laughs> he tries singing the blues with Daryl. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know he's supposed to sing Larry. <laughs> yeah, he just sings, the, just hums the melody. <laughs> Or, <laughs> or even like, like, like when they go out on, on the business trip to Canada, and uh-huh. then, uh, you know they're leaving and they're in the airport, and then like, I was like, wow, like, um, I almost said Michael Scott, Steve Carell, yeah. <laughs> Steve Carell is a really good actor, um, 
because like before that, I, I just thought he, he was there to to make jokes, right? But mm-hmm. then he's saying like, "Oh, you, you you knew I liked her, and you moved her away. Like, why did you do that?" Yeah, and I was like, "Ah, oh, man, that's heartbreaking." <laughs> That was actually the first episode, like new episode I watched as a broadcast for the first time oh, really? <laughs> on TV. That's when I got caught up on Netflix. <laughs> oh wow! So yeah. yeah, you're in, you're in for some more good episodes. But by the time it gets to around like season eight, or yeah, season eight is probably its worst season. So just skip that. You could, yeah. But there's there's some good moments in there. But season nine is, of course, you got to watch it's the last season and wraps everything up. So. <laughs> But also, I didn't know Amy Adams was on the show. Yeah, just for one episode. But that's actually, I think, the first time I've seen her or anything. Yeah, Amy Adams. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I did like that booze cruise um, episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much any episode in season two and three, I think, are great. Yeah. <laughs> Those seasons are just fantastic. You, you know what the show so, does it really well. Like, like you know when you have that work function that goes on just a little too long and uh-huh. everybody just wants to go home, but nobody uh, nobody can go home? Yeah. <laughs> it, they, they, they do that really well, like on Booze Cruise and then the uh, the the season finale of season two. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the Casino the Night. Casino Night, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's their best episode, Casino Night. Another good one is, I think, the season... Two, it might have been the premiere with the Dundee's the awards. Oh yeah, <laughs> <Is that> show? <laughs> the Dundee's. Uh, what else? The another good episode is the Halloween one, where in season two where he has to fire somebody by the end of the day. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, also the fun run one. The yeah, the, the, the gay fun run or yeah. what is it for? Is it like for AIDS? No, for research? for uh, rabies. Oh yeah, for rabies. <laughs> he doesn't want to drink water because um, the, the the water is like has AIDS. In, I mean, uh, rabies in it or something. So, something like that. But yeah. he has that bowl of fettuccine or something yeah. before he goes all the rain. He's trying to like carb load. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Oh man, that's great. Yeah. yeah, glad you're watching it and joining joining in the fun that is the office. Now yeah. we can. I have more references to go back to if we want to <laughs> just talk about anything we could look to an offense reference and now you'll get it <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just sad that um, um, Steve Carell leaves yeah that's where the show kind of <laughs> loses it a bit I don't know so that's that's pretty much season 8 so <laughs> that's why it's not it's probably it's worst season what about season 9 no yeah, he's obviously still not there but Mm-hmm. The, the stories, I think, stories are better in season nine. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just wondering what would make him leave, but of course, don't tell me. No, yeah, yeah you'll find out. <laughs> does he go to Costa Rica, like like Toby? <laughs> no, I'm, I'll oh. confirm that he doesn't. <laughs> but you'll find out in season seven. That's oh, okay. when it happens. Okay. All right. So, last bit of news. I guess speaking of TV. <laughs> Just real quick, uh, Ben Affleck was on Jimmy Kimmel a week ago, and if you had any doubts or, sadly, any hopes left that he was playing Batman and didn't really believe the tweet he sent out, 
it's pretty much yeah, it's a done deal now. <laughs> he actually said it on Jimmy Kimmel, I am not Batman. And I like kind of how he was playing off the classic Michael Keaton line, I am Batman, as Jimmy Kimmel gave him the opportunity to like say his goodbye or say his final words on it. He just says, I am not Batman. <laughs> and then they retire his cape and cow. So it was a fun little sequence, but it's probably the best goodbye we're going to get from Ben Affleck in the situation of him being done as Batman. So that's it. I think officially closed the book on Ben Affleck's tenure as Batman now, even though all we needed was that tweet. I know he still had some doubters, but this is, you know, this seals the deal right here. He is officially done with Batman and we can move on to the next cinematic era of Batman. We just got to find out who's going to be playing him. And I'm already tired of all the (laughs) rumors and speculation going on. I think I said that on our last episode, but it's gotten even more ramped up in rumors coming out over the last uh, few weeks since our last episode of who's going to be playing Batman. If this actor is real close, then, oh, wait, uh, someone debunks that. So it's just going back and forth where I just don't even pay attention to it. But Yeah, the the, the best thing I saw was from, uh, I can't remember which site, but um, they said Army Hammer might be close to being Batman. Yeah. And then they come out with, with the next article that says Army Hammer will not be Batman. <laughs> Yeah, like stuff like that. Yeah, and I, everyone has their sources, and I'm sure they trust them and all that. But it just gets tiring from our vantage point. We just keep hearing all this, these names, and then they get debunked. It's like I'm just in the wait and see approach. I'm not fan casting in my head or out looking at all these rumors and speculation. I'll find out when it gets officially announced, and that'll be good enough for me. So, and it won't be that long. That's the thing too. We'll find out sometime this year. So, yeah, just need to be patient. Probably won't be somebody that um, has been mentioned before. That's usually how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we shall see. With that, that's it for our news and discussion topics. And no conversation with Alex and listener feedback section on this episode as unfortunately no email from Jordan. So Jordan, we miss you on this one. Hopefully everything's okay. But uh, we'll look forward to hopefully hearing from you on our next episode. But with that, we can just go straight into our comic reviews. And for this one, it's just going to be Detective Comics number 998, just two away from the big 1000. But before I get into my review, as always, got to mention, going to be going into spoilers in this issue. So if you haven't read it yet, you might want to hold off and then come back and check out the review. And our rating scale for this episode, Dane, what should it be? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Some office related, anthem related, <laughs> video game related. How about uh, months that you should wait for anthem? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> All right. So, Batman, or I should say Detective Comics, number 998. Um, this one picks up where the last issue left off, where Batman is confronting Hugo Strange. Um, the latest <laughs> person Batman thinks is behind all these attacks that are going on in some cases, murders of his past mentors and teachers. And he thinks that Hugo strange is behind it. And we're getting that classic Hugo strange look where he's pretending to be Batman in that Batman costume. Uh, He's wearing everything except the mask, but the cape, the uniform and Batman is just dragging him through his laboratory telling me, you know, I know what's going on. Why are you doing this? And we see strange is doing his own, uh, secret creations of himself, harkening back to the Monster Man story that happened a couple of years ago. 
But um, just like in many instances with Batman suspicions in this case, uh, Hugo Strange turns up to be a dead end. He's not behind it. But um, just another cool Batman interrogation scene here, just showing an intimidating a criminal here, which is always a fun time to read when you see Batman so determined and to find out what's behind something, especially when people he loves and cares about are getting attacked. Batman is not playing games here, and I love him when it shows that side. But as he's talking to Hugo Strange, he gets a call from Alfred saying that um, – Jason Blood, a.k.a. Etrigan, <laughs> is um, being attacked. So Batman has to go out and you know find out what's the cause of this attack on Et- Etrigan or, or who's attacking him because um, Batman brings out Etrigan is the, and Jason Blood is the one who taught him to really use fear as a weapon and to bring out you know that side of him to establish fear amongst criminals. And so Batman calls about one of his coolest suits <laughs> out of storage, of uh, the Hellblazer bat suit, or I should say the Hellbat um, costume, which um, he used the Batman and Robin in that series to bring Damien back. I just love the look of that suit. Uh, it's a really cool visual design with the with the armor, the red lighting that makes it look like uh, you know Batman Beyond suit on steroids <laughs> kind of thing. But I always love it, so it's cool to see it return here in this story. And Batman fights off against this uh, monster who's keeping Etrigan uh, captured. And Batman has a cool fight sequence with it uh, using uh, the Hellbat in all its glory and is able to defeat that monster. And even though that monster does do some big damage to the suit, even rips off part of the helmet where you can see uh, Bruce's face behind it. But in the end, Batman wins. And once he frees Etrigan, he tells Etrigan to bring back Jason uh, to tell him everything that's going on. And Jason tells him that that monster he was fighting was the manifestation of the fear Batman had created him for himself over the years and is kind of bringing itself out. And kind of a good conversation he has there with Jason about uh, Bruce tells him, you know, you know, he never looked at it that way before, but it's a necessary evil to have to, you know, <laughs> that's a big Batman's establishing fear is a big part of what makes him Batman and so intimidating amongst criminals. So he can't lose that. But then he sees that um, once he frees Jason, there is a kind of a replica of his very first grapple gun that he used. And that pretty much is his clue to tell him where to go next and who's going to be the next person who will be under attack. And that's going to be uh, Silas Stone, uh, Cyborg's father, who you know developed some of Bruce's tech early on, like that grapple gun. And but as Batman's talking to him, some you know catches his eye words. You know, something's not right. Where he's not, he hasn't been attacked yet. Where usually Batman gets there like a, a minute or so too late. But it turns out that this isn't actually Silas Stone. Uh, he takes that grapple as they were talking. He just actually uh, begins to sh- he shoots Batman with it to tie up his his hands. And he just asks Batman, what scares you? And as Batman uh, responds, he sees Silas kind of fade away into like these computer imagery, almost like he was just like a data projection. So he wasn't really there. But Batman still talks to him, saying, telling him what scares him. And he says, not being Batman, un- unable to help anyone, unable to make a difference. And as he's saying that, he gets a look at what appears to be behind this. And it was something I was not expecting as the last page of the issue of the character says, well, we always knew that to wear the cape and the cowl, we'd have to wage war on ourselves, Bruce. And it's a little kid in a Batman costume, an oversized Batman costume, which obviously doesn't straight out say, but. It's giving the big impression that this is a young Bruce Wayne here. And I was like, what? (laughs) So uh, this story has been keeping me on my toes and it's been such a great mystery to read through. And I've been dying to know who's going to be behind 
behind this plot, who knows Bruce's history and his secrets and who trained him and who he cares about and what who made him be Batman. And I was hoping it would be some wasn't someone we've heard before, some villain like it wasn't Rachel Ghoul behind it, some that would be familiar. But I was not expecting this. And to be honest, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it yet because I'm, I'm going to give Peter Tomasi the benefit of the doubt to see what he has in store to wrap up the story in Batman or Detective Comics 999. But it's definitely a concept that made me scratch my head, like a young Bruce Wayne versus the, an older Bruce Wayne. So I don't know if he's going to make it work, but I think there is potential for it to be something cool, at least on a you know philosophical level about Bruce having raging war on himself. So it's going to be interesting to see what Peter Tomasi does with it, but I have enough confidence in him to think it'll work. So I'm anxious to see how, how it wraps up and, you know, also excited to see it to detective comics 1000. I think this is a still think that this is a great story to lead into that milestone issue. So I'm going to give this one a three and a half out of five months, uh, to wait to play Anthem, which for me, it'll probably be longer than that. But <laughs> for this issue, that's how long you should wait. All right. So with that, that's going to do it for this episode. And as always, I'll throw it to you, Dane for the outro. All right, you can go to the, the BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse, Twitter handle is at BatmanUniverse, Tim's Twitter handle, or sorry, the show's Twitter handle is at Batman's Podcast, Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311, and my Twitter handle is at DeanSaysBanana. Uh, you can email the show at BatmanZellPants at gmail.com, and you can rate and review us on iTunes. So do that. Right, Tim? <laughs> please do that <laughs> it would be much appreciated um so yeah with that that's the end of the show and like we say at the end of every single show we love each and every one of you with all of our bat and office hearts <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next time see you next time everybody <laughs> <laughs>